Hey, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, and this is the spot to be for your latest and greatest baseball knowledge. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Jared Sandler, who covers the Texas Rangers as their uh, play radio broadcaster. So, Jared, welcome to the show again. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me back. So, real quick, just going to start, how does it feel to be a champion? Well, I... I appreciate you asking that. I I definitely, it is a euphoric feeling. I, I can't totally answer that without acknowledging that I contributed nothing to uh, anything that happened on the field. If I had any ability to control anything that happened on the field, I would have uh, probably be in a different role than behind a microphone. But uh, uh, with that said, I'm I'm incredibly grateful to everyone in the organization who uh, did play a, a role. People. Uh, that uh, get talked about a ton, the players, the coaches, manager Bruce Bochy, front office, but then all the, the support staff and folks that don't get any of the, the attention or the, the credit who definitely deserve a piece of that pie. But um, it feels awesome. I mean, you, you grow up dreaming uh, of uh, just when you play sports, of winning a championship, when you transition to being a broadcaster. I, I mean, I, I imagine most of us, if not all, uh, dream of being a part of a, a team that wins a a championship and in this case a world series and you know for me it's a little extra special growing up in in dallas and growing up a diehard rangers fan so kind of uh kill two birds with one stone there get to uh you know appease the the fan in me and and that that little kid will never go away uh, but then also to be a part of a, a broadcast that got to call playoff games and world series games and, and a world series clinching win and uh all of that stuff it's it's really special Awesome. Did you guys, obviously we see shots from the locker rooms, the players, everything is like covered up as they're spraying, you know, the champagne, everything, all of them. Did you guys have something like that, like behind the studio, like in the hallway, like covered up where you guys could like splash each other with water or Cokes or anything at all? Or no, you don't get to enjoy that. So I I was, I'm actually in the clubhouse for that, uh, doing interviews while that's all going on. So I I was able to to witness that. I, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, a part of it. Uh, I'm not there spraying champagne. I did have some guys who, uh, you know, poured some alcohol in my mouth and uh, dumped some champagne nice. on me. So got to enjoy it indirectly. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, when we came back up to the booth, uh, or when I came back up to the booth, we all uh, had some champagne and uh, and enjoyed it. And then we went out that night and uh, had some more fun. So it was. Uh, it's a great experience. Um, it, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate to. Uh, be in this position and uh it's you know it's a sight to behold you gotta see this on tv and and to see it up close and personal you know these guys celebrating you you can really see the the emotions on their face whether it's relief exhaustion gratitude euphoria i mean it's it's a combination of all this stuff and you really see how much it means to them i know sometimes uh the idea gets uh developed that oh you know they're just mercenaries for hire and they don't care about winning they're making x millions of dollars and i mean i I can't speak for every single player uh but i think it's pretty tough to win a world series if you don't have guys uh who wear the uniform who are bought in and and care about winning because going through this i think i knew this before but now going through it and, and seeing a team up close and personal get to this point and win a world series it's so clear how much it's yes it is about talent all right chris you and i couldn't just find seven people on the street who work hard and care about winning and and win 
Major League Baseball games, you need talent, but it's about so much more on top of that. That's the separator. And then there's luck. You know, there's luck involved in, you know, any of these championship runs for any team, no matter how talented you are. Uh, but outside of the luck and outside of the talent, there's so much that goes into it. Uh, and, you know, these guys put in so much time and work and effort and sacrifice to, to get these opportunities. And it's just really cool to see it up close and personal uh, how overjoyed they are to accomplish something like this. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I can only imagine. I'm not anywhere close to where you were being anywhere affiliated with being able to enjoy any sort of that like playoff success or anything like you did. I want to ask, Jared, this playoff run that the Rangers were on, some might say it was kind of lucky. Some might say, no, they were a good team all season, so it's not surprising. But out of this playoff run and going into the World Series, what's like the most surprising and or most like impressive thing that you saw from the Rangers? Well, I mean, just because it had never been done before, I think the Rangers success on the road going 11 and 0 during the playoffs on the road. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I just don't know how you could have ever predicted that or, uh, uh, you know, it, even it's not like the Rangers were like a dominant road team in the regular season. So it, it, nothing was really pointing towards that. Um, the franchise record for consecutive road wins, I think was nine and that was in the regular season. And so to okay. uh, surpass that on the biggest stages, uh, I mean that, you know, I, I, that's random to some degree. You know, I know we always try and break down why is a team good at, home or why do they struggle at home or why are they good or bad on the road? And, you know, I'm sure there's certain reasons that contributed to that, but at the end of the day, they just, you know, they, they didn't let those environments intimidate them. They took advantage of being the team that hit first to maybe set the tone in some cases. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I think the other thing that stands out is just the success of their bullpen. Uh, the bullpen mm -hmm. was historically bad. They had converted fewer than 50% of their save chances they were the first team ever to even make the playoffs with a save percentage below 50%. And then, you know, come playoff time outside of the blown save in game five against the Astros, the LCS, they didn't blow any saves. And in the opportunities to pitch in close games, the Rangers bullpen was lights out. You know, they gave up some runs when they were up by a lot and had a little bit of a cushion or margin for error. But, uh, you know, they played one close game against Tampa uh, one close game to begin the series against Baltimore. They had a, a you know a few close games uh, against Houston, uh, one of which got out of hand late, but was a close game. You know through the first six seven innings, and then in the World Series, uh, you know you can look at the 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 first game that was a close game. Uh, the game three win was close, uh, and then in game five, I mean they scored four in the ninth, but that was a scoreless game through six and a one nothing game through eight. So. You know, whenever they were tasked with trying to win close games, they got the job done uh, every time with the exception of once. And that was not a trend or a combination of results that I think you could have anticipated based on their struggles in those situations during the regular season. Yeah, they they definitely you mentioned with their 11 and 0 road victories and everything quite impressive for them to go and do that. And obviously, you know, surprising too. something else I want to ask um Evan Carter got called up and was huge for them in the World Series and in the playoffs. But maybe equally important was Travis Jankowski once Adolis Garcia went down with his injury. 
is one of those two players, Jankowski or Carter, what they did in the World Series more surprising to you? Or because you're around them, you've seen them, you know them, it's like, I'm not surprised at all. Like, they, they're professionals. This is what they do. Yeah, I, I don't know. For different reasons, I don't know that either's production was a surprise. I guess if asked to pick, you know, I'd say Travis Jankowski just because he, you know, ended up with a couple of big hits in game four and he really hadn't, you know, had many opportunities to swing the bat over the previous month, and that's just not easy to do. But uh, for Travis Jankowski, I mean, that's kind of what he had done for this team all year long. You know, he stepped up when there was a need early in the season. He was playing, uh, you know, in, in somewhat of an everyday role, certainly every day against righties uh, from the middle of April, maybe late April for, you know, the next few months into July. And he did an exemplary job getting on base, getting hits. You know, he didn't hit for much power, played good defense, and, uh, he really, and, and in that moment specifically in the World Series where your, uh, you know, one of your best players goes down and it's a two to one series advantage. Uh, so it's not like the Rangers had, you know, full control or anything. And you have a guy like Travis Jankowski steps up that speaks to, you know, two elements of this team that played such a big role in, in winning the World Series. One is the depth. I mean, to have someone capable of producing uh, like Travis Jankowski, but then two, you know, this is a team that they overcame a lot during the year. You know, we talk about luck. It's not like they had the greatest injury luck. You know, they lost Jacob deGrom in April. They lost Corey Seager in mid-April for uh, about six weeks and then had to lose him again. In the second half of the season, they lost five All-Stars to the injured list, and that doesn't even count Max Scherzer, who wasn't an All-Star this year, but obviously has an All-Star pedigree. They lost him for what they thought was the rest of the season, uh, in September. So, you know, they overcame a lot. They had people plug and play. And then with Evan Carter, I guess it wasn't a surprise because when they called him up after Adolis Garcia got hurt in September, one of the five all-stars they lost for a period of time, he came up and hit the ground running. And really from, you know, the minute he got called up, he was a productive player. He did have some dips in there, but uh, for the most part, especially against righties, he gave this team great production. And, uh, you know, you never know come playoff time how that's going to cross over with, you know, the clock strike midnight for Evan Carter for the rest of this year, you know, when playoffs roll around. But, you know, I think he had a, a double in his maybe his first playoff at bat, certainly first game. He made a diving catch early on against Tampa in game one of the wild card round. And he just kind of kept on going from there. I think he had an outfield assist against Baltimore. Uh, you know, he reached base in every single one of the playoff games. It's a record for consecutive games on base for a player 21 or younger or 21 and younger. So, uh, hmm. you know, he, I mean, he, he, by the, by the time the world series rolled around, you just, I guess nothing was really going to be a surprise. He had sort of hammered home the fact that he meant business and he was ready to produce not only in the regular season, but on the big stages of the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. He, the, both of them were very impressive for the reasons you outlined, of course. And I'm kind of with you on Evan Carter. Like he's, just rolling around and rolling along and and it didn't matter the stakes or anything and the pressure of the game he just kept finding ways to produce and help the team win i, I want to kind of go back with the garcia injury in the world series when it happened did you get a sense from the locker room that there was kind of some worry or panic of like oh man this could be a turning point in the series or was the team just like we're going to overcome it like this is our time we're we're going to be here we're going to win this world series you talking about what, what Adolis went down? Is that what you said? Or, oh, 
Did I lose you? Oh. Sorry, you are you talking right about now? when Adolis got hurt? Yeah, yeah, when Adolis got hurt in the yeah. World Series, was there a sense of panic from the team when that happened? No. Or were they just like, doesn't matter, we're going to keep rolling? I think they, I think they were... I think based on their experiences this year, um, having to overcome this sort of thing, I mean, obviously not during the World Series, but over the course of the entire season, I don't think there was any, uh, any panic whatsoever. Um, I think, you know, the guys felt badly for Adolis, you know, because he mm-hmm. obviously deserved to be on the field in some of those big moments. And they, they definitely wanted him out there. But I don't. I didn't get the sense that from any single one of them, uh, there was some uh, uncertainty about how they would respond. Uh, and again, that's just been such a big part of their their story, or was a big part of their story this year. And then specifically with the lineup, uh, you know, they they had the best lineup in the American League, maybe the the second best in baseball behind the Braves, but. You know, it wasn't because they were top heavy. It wasn't because one through four, one through five was like the greatest combination in history. It was that one through nine, they were so good. They were so deep and there weren't easy stretches in that lineup. And so, you know, the great thing about that is when you lose a guy, even if it's your cleanup hitter who had just set a record for most RBIs in a single postseason in Major League history, you don't feel like you're without any sort of firepower. And uh, as they did all year, guys stepped up when someone went down and uh, so I think, uh, you know, the the Rangers were justified in not panicking uh, because I think there are certain teams with a, a lineup construction that is such that maybe that would impact them a lot more, but that just wasn't the identity of this ball club. Yeah, they they seem to be resilient. I mean, they had a lead on the division for a majority of the season and then ended up losing that lead and ultimately the division title to Houston. But um like you said, they were a resilient bunch, and here they are as champions of Major League Baseball. Jared, you mentioned earlier about how the Texas Rangers had five All-Stars this this year. Moving forward, season's over, so now management's got to look forward to next year and everything like that. There is a fairly large free upcoming free agent class for the Texas Rangers of guys on their team that won't possibly be back next year. Of those players on there, is there one that if he doesn't come back to the team for whatever reason that you're going to miss, whether it's because of his on-field production or because of you know a um, connection or friendship you've made with him in, in the locker room or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, well, there, there, there are plenty of guys who you'll miss just from the personal side of it. Um, you know, and I think that that just comes with, you know, being around these, these people from a, you know, on a daily basis for several months out of the year. Um, and then I think whenever you win a World Series, even if it's not a big name player or someone who was there, uh, you're going to miss them, you know, in, in one or a number of reasons. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, Robbie Grossman's obviously not a marquee player, but I think Robbie filled a role that was very important for this team. Travis Jankowski, same thing. Uh, Will Smith, same thing. You know, I, I think from an on-field standpoint, I don't know that they're going to bring Jordan Montgomery back. Uh, I think both can be true. I think they can make, make the determination that uh, signing Jordan Montgomery at the, the, the price tag it will likely take isn't uh, prudent, but that they'll still miss you know what he brought to this team. Uh, same with Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman uh, was under some scrutiny, uh, but that's just because it's 
it's always an adventure, but at the end of the day, he got the job done. And uh, it's tough to say you're not going to miss a guy who throws 102-mile-an-hour sinkers coming out of your bullpen. So if they don't bring a Aroldis Chapman back, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a time this year where you're like, gosh, you know, it was so much fun uh, with Aroldis Chapman jogging out of the bullpen in big situations. So um, it's tough to say that there's one. I, I think Jordan Montgomery is the guy who uh, maybe brought the most just simply for the fact that he was a starting pitcher and then came up big in the postseason. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think you can take away from what some of the other guys brought to this team, like a Travis Jankowski, even Chris Stratton, who sort of fell out of favor and really struggled down the stretch of the regular season and didn't really get a lot of opportunity in the postseason because of that. But when he was first acquired, he had a three-or-so-week stretch where he was really good, and that came during a stretch in which the Rangers were without Josh Spores. They weren't getting a lot of production from others in the bullpen. So, for that portion of the season, Chris Stratton's production was important. And, uh, you know, so it, it's tough to to not look at each of those guys and say, hey, uh, you know, they, they brought something that played a role in contributing, even if it wasn't identified in the box score. Uh, but the guy whose production probably uh, was, uh, you know, of the highest value is Jordan Montgomery. And I'm not sure that they are going to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was definitely impactful for them in this postseason. And um, it arguably, it could be said like he was the best starter they had in this playoff run for them. Like, he was pretty, pretty good. Um, we've kind of known the Texas Rangers over the last two seasons to be big spenders in, in the offseason. Uh, I know there's somebody on Twitter I saw that was complaining or trying to belittle the Texas Rangers because they spent over, like, $800 million to buy World Series and, you know, whatever i mean ultimately you're trying to win championships so if you guys spend money to do it that's what needs to be done with that being said is it is there like an expectation now that the texas rangers will be again aggressive in this offseason maybe be the big spenders again or have they kind of like we spent a lot of money it's worked out for us maybe let's just be maybe i don't want to say smarter or anything like that because the moves worked out but maybe more more frugal more like a penny pincher or anything Chris, I'm sorry, it froze. I, I I lost the last five seconds of whatever you're asking. Okay, can you hear me now? Okay, I can hear you now. Yep. Okay, um, I got it marked, so we'll just edit it out and everything in in production. Um, Jared, with the Texas Rangers being big spenders in the off season the past couple of years, is there kind of an expectation that they're going to do that again this coming season, or is there maybe, hey, we're going to be a little bit smarter instead of dropping a lot of money in one or two players, we're just going to spread it out over like the whole team. Yeah. I, I don't think that they have to, I, I, I think they're going into this off season, open-minded um, Shohei Otani's name is out there. And if you're going to be in the market for Shohei Otani, you're in the mix for Shohei Otani, then you got to be prepared to spend big. But uh, just because a team might be in the mix for Shohei Otani, doesn't mean that they're committed to spending that type of money. If Shohei Otani doesn't sign with them. Right. So, um, like right. I'm seeing a lot of people say, well, I'd rather the Rangers spend $50 million over, you know, or on three or four players instead of on one player. Well, it might not work out that way. It just depends. I think that what's important for the Rangers and maybe their fans to understand is that uh, the Rangers have the capacity to be big spenders again. Now, are they going to drop half a billion dollars in, you know, total contract value? I guess if they sign Shohei Otani, that probably in and of itself will be half a billion dollars. But outside of that, I don't know that I would expect that. Uh, but 
I do think that they've got the capacity to be aggressive. And I think that is uh, a great place to be. That doesn't mean you have to be uh, mm-hmm. big spenders, but just the, the flexibility and the ability if the right opportunity presented itself to be able to pull that trigger because the reality is not all teams do have that ability. You know, some teams never have that ability like Oakland or Tampa. Uh, and then there's some teams that they can maybe do it one off season, but then, you know, they can't really do it for a few off seasons, but the Rangers are in a position where uh, if they need to spend big again, because they feel like that, you know, those moves are the right moves. They can do that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've been very much, um, in my opinion, kind of reminiscent of those 1990s decade Yankees where they just seem to be the team that bought the biggest free agent out there and ultimately always came to be successful for them and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, we'll see if they can do it again. Uh, there's Obviously, all three teams are going to be after Shohei Otani, like you said. So uh, he's definitely a name to watch. But, uh, Jared, I want to shift over. You have a charity, the Sandlot Children's Charity, and I believe, if I remember right, you have a event upcoming next month. It's a uh, swinging, swinging for the cause, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah. Okay. No, it's uh, December 3rd. We're really excited. We, for the first time this year, first time ever in our uh, charity's history, going back to 2017, we're doing the event at Globe Life Field, which is home of the Rangers. Uh, awesome. That was not a decision that was made uh, just a couple weeks ago. This was a decision that was made back in I want to say February or March. So we had no idea that we would be hosting the event at the home of the World Series champions. And we'd had no idea that we were going to have the World Series trophy at the event. But uh, we are. And uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, The the charity raises money for kids with disabilities uh, so that we can provide financial assistance to allow those kids to have experiences and opportunities to play sports and uh, be active, which, you know, directly obviously helps their health and wellness. But indirectly just as uh you know it did probably for all of us playing sports growing up helps you make friends and gain confidence by developing and growing skills and communication and leadership and all that stuff so uh it's so important for these kids they deserve every opportunity that we all had growing up just uh uh you know at times it's a little more challenging financially uh because of you know whatever their disabilities physical or intellectual might be uh and uh we're you know we're really excited to be able to have the event at the ballpark and we're just so floored and, and honored by uh, the support we receive from the community so uh, people can just go to the sandlot.org uh, then uh, all the information is there yeah um that's awesome it, re- it really truly is and it's a it's a great charity that you have going on wish a lot of support to you um if people want to you know contribute because they can't necessarily make it out there how how can somebody go ahead and do that and help support your charity yeah just as sandlot.org uh all the information is on the website the donate button is up there at the top and then the events tab uh will have information about swinging for a cause and then uh there's a a, a, a get involved tab that uh, we'll provide information about our ambassador program, which is uh, a, a group of folks uh, in DFW. It probably only makes sense if you're local to DFW, but a group of folks in DFW uh, who use that as a way to network. It's kind of a, uh, a young professionals group, but also get out, get involved in the community, uh, supporting organizations uh, who uh, are that uh, fulfill our mission. So go out and volunteer different groups 
uh, and just contribute uh, to the charity. So they're an extension of our team and uh, all that stuff, again, uh, at, at the sandlot.org. Uh, and, you know, if, if we're doing our job right, it's, it's pretty clear at the very top, uh, you know, where to go to try and uh, get some of that information. Okay, perfect. Well, Jared, now we're coming to the end here. And like I do on every show, I always want to give our guests an opportunity for some self-promotion, self-bragging, everything like that. So now that the MLB season is over, what, what are you doing? What's up next for you? What, what's happening? Well, I, the, these charity events don't uh, come together overnight. So putting in a lot of work to try and get ready for the event December 3rd. Since we started the event uh, in 2017, the Rangers had not made the playoffs prior to this year. So we were used to having all of October to plan and prep. Uh, I thankfully have a team of folks who were able to uh, get work done during the month of October, but I really wasn't. And so there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, and then it's a little bit of basketball and travel and spending time with family and friends and uh, recharging because we, I leave for spring training in three months. So, uh, you know, it's, wow. it's not, as, uh, not as much time as we're used to having, but all for good reasons. If I have an abbreviated offseason because the Rangers uh, win a World Series every year, I, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's crazy that spring training starts just in three months. I mean, you know, I'm kind of looking at the calendar. I'm like, yeah, spring training is way out there. But no, like you said, three months and it'll be here in no time. So, uh, Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Love having you on. And, you know, again, congratulations to World Series champions, Texas Rangers out there. Um, for everybody out there, follow Jared. You can follow him on Twitter at Jared Sandler. Um, you can catch him at 105.3 The Fan um, at Valley Sports. Again, his charity is, like you mentioned earlier, Sandlot Charity. Um, you can find, follow that on Twitter at Sandlot Charity. The website is thesandlot.org. Please go ahead and make a contribution and donation if you can. If you're able to be in a position to volunteer your time, I'd suggest you guys go ahead and do that as well too. It's a great organization, a wonderful event that is upcoming, which is swinging for the cause. Um, for those out there who want to follow the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Replacement Level 1. You can follow my colleague Rafal at rafaln613 myself at c underscore phillips underscore 13 you can find us on spotify you can find us on youtube on apple podcasts pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast but again jared thank you so much for coming on the show and for all the fans out there we will talk to you guys later on and have a great day Thanks so much